I'm like, I'm drinking champagne out of a Gatorade bottle from a stranger in a gold Speedo. What am I doing? Diz Runs Radio, episode 740, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick, uh, quick announcement today before we get started with today's episode. Uh, I'm thinking about dusting off the old Diz Runs YouTube channel. It's it's been a while since uh, I've done any done any YouTubing, and uh, I don't know. Kind of, I'm kind of missing it. Kind of missing uh, getting on video and and doing a little bit of fun video stuff. But what I'm what I'm thinking about doing is kind of changing the format from some of the old YouTube videos. If you've seen those, you know that that probably needed to change anyway. Um, and maybe leaning more towards kind of an Ask Diz, kind of a personal coaching segment. And what I would what I would love to do is have you all submit questions. And this isn't like taking the place of the listener Q and A episodes. Those will still be part of the monthly rollout for the podcast. But for YouTube, what I'd like to do is just have, have you know maybe one video a week, maybe one video every two weeks. Maybe we'll start small and build up. But where I'm doing, answering one question, answering a question that you might have, make it specific, drill down, make it make it as detailed towards you, something you're struggling with as possible, and ideally record the question. Doesn't have to be a video recording, but but you know take out your phone and. Pull up the voice memo app. Pretty much, I think every phone has one of those little voice voice notes, voice voice recorder apps, and record your question. Aiming for something about a minute to a minute and a half long at the at the long end. The shorter, the better. Um, but again, I do want some details. I want some context. And then email your question to me. Email email that file, that voice file, to uh, disruns at gmail.com. Put something in the subject line. Ask Diz, uh, so I can kind of know what it is and, and it doesn't get lost in the, in the vortex that is my inbox. Um, but what I'm, what I'm thinking about doing, if there's some questions and I know that there's some questions, if y'all send me the questions, that's the real question. How many times can I say questions? Right. But anyway, what I, what I'm planning on doing is like I said, releasing a video, answering your question, uh, your questions and, and compiling a database on YouTube of, of r- actual runners questions that, uh, will hopefully be helpful not only to you, but you know, most of these questions, there's other people that have similar questions as well. So let's let's put something together and and see how it goes. And maybe it'll be something that only goes for a few months. Maybe it'll be something that takes off and becomes a, a regular part of the the content delivery that I do. So who knows? But uh, if you've got a question and you're willing to put your voice behind it, record your question on a voice memo app on your phone. Send it to me, disruns at gmail.com, and stay tuned for the uh, new. And improved Diz Runs YouTube channel coming probably somewhere in the next four to six weeks, depending on how quickly y'all get me your questions. So send your questions today, and uh, I'll keep you posted when the YouTube channel is back. I guess it's still online, but when there's actually new content going back online on the YouTube. So uh, without any further ado, sorry for the long intro, but uh, kind of a fun announcement, I think. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive in now to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is uh, one of those runners that has kind of done just about everything, it seems like, at least at first glance, in our sport. You know, she's uh, closing in on 150 marathons slash ultra distance races completed. Uh, she's she's checked off the old, uh, you know, run every day for a year running streak type of thing. She's earned four belt buckles, at least as far as I could tell from the website, for finishing 100 mile races. Um, and she's also qualified for and raced the Boston Marathon. So clearly, she's done uh, done a few things in her days as a runner, and uh, she's not finished yet. She's also still working on finishing a marathon in all 50 states. So even though she's done, however many over 100 marathons, uh, still hasn't made it to every state of the uh, the country to do one in. So she's still working on that, and uh, she's also got her sights set on running a few of the uh, the big boys in the uh, the ultra world as far as like comrades and Western states. Some of those some of those big fancy uh, illustrious famous-ish races, uh, ultras around the world. So needless to say, we will have no shortage of things to talk about. Probably won't get to anywhere near all of it today, 
But uh, long overdue, happy to uh, finally be able to welcome Ms. Angie Whitworth-Pace to the show. So uh, thanks for joining us, Angie, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, nice to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a while since uh, we first we first met on a on a bus after the uh, the Pocatello Marathon last year. And um, like I was telling Angie before we started, I, I was I was planning on reaching out shortly afterwards, and and you know somehow this came to that, and life happened, and it's been eight months now. But uh, here we are, and and guys, if you want to check out more of what Angie's got going on, fo- following her on social media, her website, all that kind of good stuff. Um, Angie Pace runs then then the number fifty. So Angie Pace runs five zero dot blogspot dot com is the website. On Facebook, pretty simple. Kind of the whole name situation. You know, just search for Angie Whitworth Pace. You're going to find it. If you want to type in the the uh, URL, the the you know Facebook dot com slash Angie dot Whitworth Pace Whitworth Pace all one word. And uh, on Instagram, if you want to find her there at Keeping Pace two six. Point two, so keeping pace, all one word, and then the numbers two six dot two for the marathon distance, obviously. And uh, if your head's spinning from all the different uh, different locations and different handles and different things, uh, disruns.com slash seven four zero is all you need to remember. That'll take you back to the show notes for today's episode, and we'll have everything linked up there to connect with Angie and uh, follow along with what she's got going on, what the next races are, and uh, where you can probably see her. Because uh, I'm sure there's going to be races coming up sooner rather than later. So if you want to go check out and uh, run a few miles with her, that's always an option as well. So now that we got all that stuff out of the way, that the, now it's time to get into the fun stuff here, Angie. And uh, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very uh, simple question that for some folks, it's a pretty simple one to answer. Some people, I can pretty well guess what it's going to be. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I have, I have absolutely no idea. And I don't know. It might be kind of a tough one for you. We'll see how it goes. But it's just to simply ask. What is your favorite distance to race and why? Okay. I have been thinking about this since, you know, I listen to the show and I hear that you ask people this same question and I think about this and I think it really varies. I think a few years ago, I would have easily not even hesitated to marathon distance. Marathon distance is my favorite, but um, I, I think I love different differences. Sorry, different distances for different reasons. Um, I do a lot of pacing, and that's where I met you. I was actually pacing at the Pocatello Marathon, but I pace a lot of half marathons. And when I do a half marathon, I am just so happy because it's so, sh- it feels like it's so short mm-hmm. at this point. Um, it's easy to train for, it's easy to stay trained for. Um, and you still get that sense of accomplishment. So I love the half marathon for that reason. The marathon distance, pretty much the same reason, except you just, it's double the distance. So you sort of get a real accomplishment after doing it. There's a lot of training involved with it. So, um, and then you get to do like prestigious races like Boston or New York or Chicago. And, and, uh, so if you get to do those races, it's, you know, there's a real sense of accomplishment there. But um, I really found that I really love doing ultra marathons. Um, And I think as I get older, (laughs) I think I really like doing ultras um, for a reason that um, I feel like the training is intense, is that you have to put in a ton of miles. But the pacing is a little bit slower. I'm not as focused on, like, I have to be fast. It's more about sort of enduring. And um, there's a real um, sense of um, mental game that goes into running ultras that I don't really feel I have when I'm doing a marathon. Because I think you're just so – there is a mental game, but I feel like the mental game in a marathon sort of happens in the last – four or five miles mm-hmm. where the marathon, where when running an ultra, your mental game kind of starts after about 50 miles. <laughs> and then, you, then the rest of it, then the rest of it is really full on mental game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like a, you know, I'm not super fast or, you know, in ultra running or anything like that, but I just feel like there's the, it's, sort of overcoming the mental game that I really love the ultra distances. Um, that to me has been like the most, um, uh, inspiring or just like when I finish, I'm like, I can't believe I actually did that. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I, 
I, I think I love all the half marathon and marathon and any of the ultra distances for different reasons. So it's sort of hard for me just to pick one. Right. Right. So I guess that's like not the answer maybe <laughs> that you really wanted, but I, it's really hard to pick what it's like picking a favorite child. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And that's, and that's obviously one of the, the beauties of our sport is that you can do different type of distances and, and have different, different challenges, different reasons, um, and enjoy them all for, for different reasons. And, and yeah, it is, it's, it is admittedly, it's a, it's a tricky question because it's, it's, there, there is no perfect answer. And, and for most people it is like, you know, yeah, this, I kind of like this one best, but then, you know, if you stop and think about it, if you dive into it very deep, there's usually a couple other reasons that, that some other races bubble up. So I'll, I'll accept your non-answer as a good, <laughs> as a good answer to get us started. Well, there are, The training is so different for each race, right? Mm -hmm. The training is different. The racing is different. The mental game is different. Um, You know, if you said, what's your favorite race? What's your favorite? I could give you a favorite race of each one of those kind of differences and say, oh, I like this race the best. Mm -hmm. But as far as the distance goes, I think they're just so different. It's hard to like just pick just one. Right, right. Well, maybe then, a year ago I would have had a different answer, but right. Well, and that's and that's another you know beauty of of running as well as those those tastes can evolve over time, and and you know you get into a I don't want to say a rut, but you get into a, a groove with a with a certain distance, and you like you really start to to vibe with with that distance right. and and kind of seek it out. Um, and the other things are still fun, but it's like this is this is the one right now, and and that you know sometimes you get locked in that, and it stays that way for uh, a long time. Sometimes it it ebbs and flows every you know six months, eight months, year, something like that, based on based on life and and all those those you know other factors that they can come into play. But how'd you get started in the sport, Angie? I mean, you know, with with what you've accomplished, um, safe to say you've been running for a while. But is is running always been part of your life, or or how'd you come into uh, this crazy sport that we all know and love? Oh, this is a kind of a funny story. So I ran in high school back in the olden days, <laughs> back in the eighties, I was a runner in high school and, um, come my senior year, I had Achilles injury and I really, I had been running since the fourth grade. Really. I'd been running competitively since the fourth grade. I ran in junior high and I ran straight through, I ran junior Olympics. Then I ran in like three different state track clubs and cross country clubs, you know, when, when I was a kid and I have a twin sister and so, and she did, she did too. She was a really great runner um, herself in like junior high. And so be, come high school, I really just kind of wanted to be a teenager and I just wanted to like um, listen to punk rock records and, <laughs> uh, you know, just, go to my friend's house and I, I think it's really funny when I say listen to records because that sort of dates me at, at this point. But um, I just wanted to be a, a teenager. Like I, it's the funny thing is like I wanted to try out for like cheerleading or something like that. And uh, my track coach was like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You have to run, run, run. And just being a little bit rebellious, I just was like, ah, no, I'm just going to do it anyway. And um, luckily when I got the Achilles injury, I was really, I was so happy. Mm. That because I didn't have to run anymore because right. it got to a point that I just didn't enjoy it anymore. And so I just stopped. I just stopped running. And um, I moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to college there. And then I got a job working as a fashion designer um, in New York City. Moved to New York City. I lived in New York City 21 years where I actually ended up dancing professionally. So I've kind of done it all. It's crazy. <laughs> So I actually danced professionally in New York for uh, most of my time in New York City, and I didn't run at all. But my twin sister did, and she had done like 12 marathons before I even did any, and she did them all over the world. She did like really great marathons. Like she went like all over the world running, and um, and when I got I got, I got married and. My husband's um, jaw, he was working here in Salt Lake, so we ended up moving to Salt Lake. And um, I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anybody. Um, I was, like, really miserable, actually, um, because I loved New York. I never wanted to leave. And and I was here just kind of thrown into fish out of water. And coming from New York City to Salt Lake City is pretty much a culture shock in itself. Right. And I just... I was really miserable and I said, I got to do something. And, um, I thought about opening, you know, I taught dance. So I thought about opening a studio, but you know, 
the money I was making in New York City was way different than the people mm-hmm. want to pay in Salt Lake City. And I taught adults. I didn't teach kids and everybody teaches kids here. And I just, it would have taken a lot of work to put something together and I would have made half the money doing it. And so I just, I was sort of feeling lost. I didn't know what to do. And, and one day, uh, uh, every, in July, they have like this state holiday called Pioneer Day. It's sort of when Utah was basically mm-hmm. formed or, you know, settled or whatever. And, and they have a big parade and they have the Deseret Marathon and they had a big 10K. They now have a half marathon, but at that point they didn't have a 10K. This was in 2008. They had a 10K and they had a 5K walk. And I thought, well, my husband was working that day, ex-husband now, but he was working that day. And I didn't have anything to do. And I said, maybe I'll just go downtown and check out that parade. And, um, and I'll just go do that 5K walk just to do something. And... Uh, I get out there for the 5K walk and the gun goes off and everybody starts running. And I'm like, why are they running? This is supposed to be a walk. What do I do? And I'm wearing like sneakers that are probably, that I bought in like New York at like Kmart or something, mm-hmm. like not even really great running shoes. And so I just start kind of running a little and then I'd walk a little and I'd run a little and then I'd walk a little. And when I finished, I finished just literally two seconds before the marathon finisher came through. Because the marathon starts in the morning and the 5k mm-hmm. starts out a little bit later so i cross the finish line and i'm still basically in the finish shoot when the marathon runner the winner comes through and i don't know just being maybe a former runner and you know i'd i'd go out to the new york city marathon every year because it was a thing you went mm-hmm. out to watch the marathon you know in new york and i'd watched my sister ran new york twice and i'd come out to cheer her on and every year i'd get all inspired I'm like this is great but when i saw this guy come through and I just finished the 5K, and I thought, wow, this is like, oh, my gosh. I kind of got that bubbling feeling like, this is really inspiring. And I hung out, and I just watched marathoners come in. And as more and more marathoners coming in, I thought, I'm not seeing guys that look like this, like, Kenyan guy that just came mm-hmm. across the finish line. I'm seeing people that, like, are all shapes, all sizes, all, you know, just people that were just normal people. Mm-hmm that were running, that were running this marathon. They weren't running the 5K or, you know, they were running the marathon. And I thought, wow. And I remember sitting there, I got really inspired. And I called my sister on the phone and I said, I'm at the finish line of this marathon. It is so cool. I can't, you know. And she said, you know what you need to do? You need to join a running group. You should find, you should train and run a marathon yourself. And you should um, find a running group there in Salt Lake City and join a running group. And I said, I don't even know how, what, what to do. And she <laughs> says, you should love Jess Galloway training because she, I knew when she had started running, she worked, um, she started using Jeff Galloway method and, um, and she actually worked for Jeff Galloway in Atlanta for a little while. And um, so she says, look up and see if there's a group there and check it out. So I did. So I looked it up and I found a Jeff Galloway group here and I joined the group and started and met a bunch of people. And, and the first day I went out that I met the group was the weekend after they had all just finished the St. George marathon and they were doing an easy six miler, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well I'll run as far as I can. And I did six miles doing that run walk, and I could not believe it. I could not believe it. And so um, I just continued on with that group for a few years. I ended up running the program, taking over and running the program for two years as a program director later on. And and I just started, I really just got hooked Mm -hmm. on running because it gave me something to do, gave me some exercise. I met a lot of fun, a lot of friends there, and uh, I sort of just kind of kept it going. And uh, then one girl in the group, uh, um, we heard about this club called the Marathon Maniacs. Mm-hmm. There was there was my uh, <laughs> that was the that was the rabbit hole. <laughs> and I don't know if you've heard of the Marathon Maniacs. The Marathon Maniacs is a big club. Um, they have over just the Marathon Maniacs has over fifteen thousand members now. Mm-hmm. 
uh, nationally and internationally. And there, it was about running a lot of marathons. So you could like, you know, to get into the club was pretty prestigious at that time. You had to run three marathons in three months. And that felt like, are you kidding me? I have three marathons in three months. But we all set out this goal to get in this club. And then from then on out, like it just started, started, um, you know, I was running all the time. Right. And, uh, uh, yeah, so I did my first marathon in 2009 at the, um, at the, uh, Salt Lake city marathon. And then it just kind of just, I got hooked. And, uh, <laughs> it, that was a pretty fun experience because my sister came from Atlanta. She was so excited to run my first marathon. My twin sister rent came down from Atlanta and like, um, watched me run a five and a half hour marathon. And I was like, but I was so happy. I couldn't believe how happy it was. It just made me really happy. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And it just kind of just snowballed from there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in, in, you know, for doing the math, you know, for the, those at home, uh, 10 years and it basically is, is where you've been at this point as far as running marathons and, you know, closing in 150, that's, that's, yeah. uh, you know, 15 a year, you can do that math pretty easy just about. And, uh, you know, obviously got into it pretty, pretty heavy. Um, d- during in, in that early stage, maybe that first year, year and a half, um, w- I mean, were you doing, you know, you try you find out about marathon maniacs and, and trying to, to accumulate some races so you can, you can get in, into that group. Um, did that go pretty, pretty smoothly? Was, was that a, a struggle to try to, to do three marathons in, in a three month window physically or, or as far as time concerns or, or things like that, or, or did it go fairly, you know, as, as easily as you can do three marathons in three months? Was that kind of how it played out? Well, it, it went fairly smoothly. There were some, a couple of bumps in the road there. Uh, I did the first marathon, but during my training for the first marathon, and like I said, the first day I went out that I ran with the running group, I did six miles. So I did the rookie mistake is I tried to do too much too fast. Mm-hmm. I put too many miles, tried to do too many miles too fast. And um, I ended up with an IT band injury, which if anybody's had that, it lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And it's it just excruciating. It's the most frustrating injury you can have because it's not like you tore something, right? right. It's just, it, you know, you get about five or six miles into the run and it feels like somebody stabbed you in the side of the leg. And, um, it was super, it was just really excruciating. So I went into my first marathon with a cortisone shot in my knee and, and ended up, um, my longest run before my first marathon was only 18 miles. So I pretty much suffered, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the first part of that. And, um, I was supposed to do, I think the Ogden marathon right after that, uh, which was a couple of months later. It was a couple of months later, maybe I can't remember now. It was a while ago. The next month, maybe it's the okay. next month. And I dropped that, and I just did the half. And then I was like so upset that I was like, oh, I really, you know, what a bummer. So I went to San Diego at the end of that month and did the San Diego marathon and ran with the running Elvis, you know, the mm-hmm. running Elvi, you know, dressed like Elvis, just have fun. And I improved my time by like 10 minutes. And that's when I got like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Um, and then my mother had passed away. And so I was by my, um, my race that it was supposed to be my entry into the marathon maniacs was, Portland marathon and my mother had passed away and we ended up having her funeral on the day of the Portland Mm. marathon. So of course I wasn't going to be there. And, um, and so I had to find another marathon and I found this marathon that I don't even think exists anymore called Mesquite marathon. It was the first year they did it. And it was really, for me, it was the worst marathon I've ever run. Um, not in, I just thought it was, it was terribly unorganized. I mean, and I'll give them a break because it was their first time doing it, but it was really like just, I, it was not a great marathon, but it got me, four other friends went and we all qualified on the same day to get in the marathon maniacs. And so that was a blast and I got into the club. So there were just like little bumps between injuries and between right. my mom dying and that to come in here. But as far as like the training and, you know, we just, just did it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just, I just did it, you know, went out and just didn't care how fast I was running. Cause at that point I really wasn't running that fast at all. Like, like I said, I was running like, five hours 
you know, my first marathon was five and a half hours and around like 520. And then mm-hmm. it kind of, just but I always was right around, you know, for a long time, I was around five hours, you know, 445, five hours for a long, long time, like right. a lot of race. And then I just, something clicked one day and um, I said, that's it. I'm going to, I want to qualify for Boston and that's when the shift happens, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, it's one of those things that, I mean, I think if anything I'd like to tell people is that if you are at that point where you're like, you just feel like I'm running five hours, I'm not really fast, or I'm never going to be fast. When I hear people say, I'll never be able to qualify for Boston. I'll never get fast to that. And I will say, yes, you can, but you have to put the work in to do mm-hmm. it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Um, as long as you're willing to put the work in to do it. Mm-hmm. When, when, and that was kind of right where I wanted to, to go next. Uh, so thank you for the, uh, the teeing up the segue there. But, um, you know, you're running these, these first, however many marathons it is and, and, you know, cruising right along it, um, you know, and obviously pace is always relative. Speed is always relative. So some people four and a half, four forty five. that's, that's uh-huh. pretty, pretty fast. Some people it's, it's kind of slow. Some people it's kind of right there at the sweet spot, but whatever the case you're, you're running these four forty fives to five hour marathons and you decide, Hey, I want to, I want to qualify for Boston. Um, what, you know, you said it, it kind of clicked or it shifted there how did, how did running change for you as far as, as, um, you know, what, what did you, I don't know, what did you do differently or, or, you know, was it become, did it become more serious instead of more something that you did for fun and and community or or what was, what was that change? What was that shift that was like, all right, now I'm going to, I'm going to get faster and I'm going to go chase this unicorn. Okay. You're going to (laughs) laugh and this might not be for everyone. And, but I have to tell you, it was spite. (laughs) (laughs) I had been dating this guy that was uh, trying to qualify for Boston and, you know, I found out that, you know, wasn't the nicest person. And I thought, how am I going to get back at this guy? And I thought, I'm going to qualify for Boston before he qualifies for Boston. Wow. And I don't know. It was a mental thing. I thought, I'm going to do it. And I would get up. I'd go to the gym. And I was, I know that sounds horrible. That sounds terrible, but it's the truth. It right. really was. It was, it was basically something that motivated me to just not wallow in the, like the hurt that I felt, but to be like, uh-uh, I'm, I'm not going to let you get me down. This is going to mm. motivate me to turn this pain into motivation to, which it was kind of spite really, but I mean, I just <laughs> wanted to turn it into motivation to sort of like not let it get me down. And that's basically really what it was. At that point, I said, I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. And I just got up. I started going to the gym. I remember I work for a company that's really great. And we have a, we have a gym at work. And we have personal trainers. And, and I went in down to the gym at work. And I said, what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. If I wanted to try to qualify for Boston, what, did, what do I need to do? And the one thing they said to me was the one thing that nobody wants to hear um, probably dropped 10 pounds. Mm. And I thought I've been running like, and I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I'm not, I didn't ever consider myself as being like heavy or mm. like, you know, overweight or anything. They said, yeah, but if you want to gain, if you want to really get speed, the more weight you're carrying, the more weight you have to carry. Right. right. And not that you're like, but if you drop, I wasn't skinny at the time. I wasn't like super thin where mm-hmm. they were telling me to be not healthy, but they're like, really, if you focus on dropping a few pounds, it can help you. And, but we can help you get to that goal. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right. So I started really like tracking what I was eating. I started, um, going to the gym. Um, I started doing more speed work, which was super important. And I started noticing that, in the next few months, my times, I was dropping a little bit of weight and my tro- my times were dropping. Mm-hmm. And the closer I got, I went to run the Mississippi Blues Marathon and I was running a double weekend. I was running two marathons mm-hmm. in that weekend. 
And so the first one, I don't know for those of anybody that's ever run the Mississippi Blues Marathon, it is super hilly. It is not an easy marathon at all. So I thought, you know what, I am going to just go super easy and just not because I'm doing a marathon the next day and just go. And I just went out and I was basically running by myself most of the time and just having a good time. And uh, next thing you know, I, I, the, the head of the Marathon Maniacs, the president of the Marathon Maniacs is running behind me. And I honestly, I wasn't even watching my watch. And what the president of the Marathon Maniacs and another friend of mine, Patty Krebsaw, she was running. And they came up and she, they were fast. And they came up behind me and Patty looked over at me and said, um, excuse me, look who's kicking ass right now. And I, <laughs> I was like, what? And the president, Stephen Yee, the Marathon Maniacs, he's like, you're going to break four hours. And I was like, what? What? What are you talking about? No, 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 no. And we were literally in the last, we were literally in the last mile of the race. And I said, don't say that. Don't say that because it won't happen. No, no, no. And I just kept going on. And I came across the finish line at three hours and 58 minutes. It was the first time I ever broke four hours in a marathon and I broke down sobbing. And then I was even more mad because I realized I, uh, I went, I stopped at the porta potty mm. and I realized if I would have not stopped that porta potty, I would have actually qualified for Boston that day. Not even ever even really thinking about qualifying for Boston and just kind of not thinking about racing, just right. kind of running along. And uh, at that point, that was when it really was like, okay, I know I can do this. This is one of the hardest races, marathons. It's so hilly. I know if I get a really good race and really focused that I will have this, I will get this. And I just kind of kept plugging along. And then I went to the Ogden Marathon uh, and here in Utah, and it just, it was dumping freezing cold rain, dumping, dumping, dumping. And that was in 2016. Um, 2015, it was 2015. And it was dumping, 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 freezing cold rain. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to use this as a tempo run just to see where my training is. Mm -hmm. Like I'll just kind of try to run at Boston qualifying pace as long as I can and just see how far I get. And I ended up getting all the way to the finish line with uh, 11 minutes under my qualifying time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, I just, I remember crossing the finish line and I didn't have any family there. And none of my friends were out there. And I was, I just remember wanting to scream. <gasps> and I just was sobbing and sobbing. And I just ran. I actually have a really great picture, actually, of it. Um, one of the photographers, because I just was like sobbing, and I just went up to the volunteer that gave me my medal, and I said, "I just won!" And she and I just she gave me a hug, and I just hugged this volunteer for like a good <laughs> minute, like hang up, just sobbing. And one of the photographers was, were there, you know, the race photographers, and they have this picture, and I actually bought this is one of the race pictures I bought because I. I got the one of me actually crossing the, you know, coming to the finish line because mm -hmm. it was like my first qualifier for Boston. But I also bought the photograph of me just hugging this volunteer with the tears just running down my face, like soaking wet with like a red poncho, just crying, crying, crying. That was like the best moment. I swear that yeah. was the best moment. And um, and I do remember friend Patty sending me a text right after that. As, you know, I got in the car and I'm shivering. Everybody's getting hypothermia. It's so cold and I didn't even care how cold I was. I was just on cloud nine. <laughs> I get to my car and I had to sit because I had to thaw out before I could drive because my hands were so cold. And I get this text from my friend Patty, who was the first group was there that saw me like when I did my first mm -hmm. stuff for and she said, I've been tracking you. She goes, You did it and the, the first thing she does she says, And you did it before him. But yeah, I know. So I know. it's not the nicest thing to say that my motivation was spiked, but it's the truth. What can I say? But, well, and so, sometimes uh, that's uh, you know that that's the the name of the game is finding the right motivator. And if and if a little bit of was, a yeah. little bit of spite is what it takes, it's what it takes. So how was yeah. 
How was Boston? I, I can't I can't not uh, ask about the the race itself since since I always that's I always have to talk about it. That's that's my big goal uh-huh. race. What was what was your Boston experience like? Uh, so this is I mean people always think they have different goals for Boston. Every year I've I've been really fortunate. I've got to run Boston three times. I've qualified to you know and I've mm-hmm. got to run three times. And my first Boston experience. Sorry, my dog is like playing. I hope you can't hear her. She's like, ah. um, my first Boston experience was just like you would imagine. Like, you're just like, I cannot believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm here. Um, and I go into Boston every year as the victory lap. A lot of people go and they're like, I want to race as fast as I can during Boston, but not me. I go in and I try to probably run my slowest marathon ever at Boston because I never know when I'm ever, if I'll ever get back, right? You never know what can happen. Like, will I ever get back here? So I am going to savor, and it, and it took me so long to get here. I'm going to savor every moment of this race and remember every moment. So from beginning to finish, every time I run Boston, I am taking photographs. I'm stopping and petting dogs. I'm... I'm just having a blast. It's more of like the victory lap, the the party after the party. I feel like the hard work was actually qualifying to get to the race. That's where the hard work comes for me. Everybody's kind of different on that. But for me, I run probably my slower races at Boston. In fact, this year's Boston was probably my slowest ever, um, mainly because I wasn't as trained as I'd like to be um, going into it this year. So I just, it was basically a victory lap. I just, Mm -hmm pet every dog. I see other people like walking and struggling and I stop and walk with them and talk with them and, you know, get to just make all these race friends and just, you know, high five the neighborhood people and just, just sort of embrace the whole atmosphere of the race rather than think I gotta, I gotta qualify again this year. Cause I feel like when I do that, when I race, when I'm racing to qualify or racing to get a really trying to run fast, Mm -hmm. Um, for me, you know, I, um, you lose a lot of the atmosphere of the race because you're so in that zone and right. all you're thinking about is getting one mile ticked off as fast as you can get ticked off. But you look around and you think, I wish I would have taken a photograph of that beautiful um, mountain that I saw. I wish I would have had, you know, something, you know, you sort mm-hmm. of miss the surroundings of it. And I've run both. I've raced and I've just gone to complete. And Honestly, I really enjoy running more when I'm just out there having fun and not really doing the racing per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you want to qualify for Boston, then you got to kind of, you know, it's the grindstone. You have to race it. You know, right. um, and both are great. Both are great. I mean, I, I have to say, like when I finish faster, it's really nice to be done. But I'm like, man, I'm already done. This is great. You know what I mean? You know, so uh, you know, there's a lot more food left. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. It's a, it's just sort of, you know, there's good and bad, but for me, my Boston experience was all about just completely embracing the mm-hmm. whole experience. Like it was my last time getting there. Right. And, you know, this, so this past year, I can guarantee you it was by probably my last time I'm ever running Boston again. I feel like I've done it three times. Um, it's the work that it takes to really get there as I get older, it really, you know, people say, well, you know, you get to run slower as you age up. But I'm like, there's a reason right. that the times, because your body gets older. And when I aged up uh, last year, um, I worked just as hard. And I actually qualified my this year, this past year, my qualification was two years in a row. I was like, for some reason, I was 11 under qualifying time. Mm-hmm. Past year was nine minutes under, which is still good. It's still great. Got me in the race. But I felt like I worked harder than ever. And I had five extra minutes and I didn't qualify. Right. I had before. Right. So there was something to the aging uh, people when it's like, well, I'll just wait till I can age up. And then I'm like, it doesn't work that Mm -hmm. way. At least for Mm -hmm. me, it didn't work that way. My body was, you know, of course I was right running a lot, but my body was kind of broken down, right? It was like, mm-hmm. oh, not broken down, but you know, it's like you felt, I felt the aging process. Right, like right. So, um, yeah, I just, I, and also I feel like 
there's so many people that want to run Boston and it's so hard, even with this new time qualification, in my opinion, it's not going to do anything. I think they're still going to turn away mm-hmm. thousands of runners. And I feel like, okay, I've had my shot. I've done it three times. I think it's time to let somebody else have a shot who gotcha. has never got to do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, my my uh, my loose plan. I still I still have uh, a good bit of work to do, but you know, so I I am kind of on the I need to get older bandwagon, but I also recognize yeah. that I need to get faster because I'm not gonna you know in order to get older to the point where I am now, I think I'd have to get about thirty years older, and yeah, I mean you know get into yeah. get into that time frame or that age group, and it's it's a little tougher to keep running you know where, where I'm at right now, but uh, but yeah, my my plan loose plan. We'll see what happens when I actually get there, but yeah, run it, run it as a victory lap. Just enjoy it. Take, take as much time as I can and uh, just soak in every, every inch of that course. I also find it. The funny thing is, is when I say I soaked it in my first year, I was probably about a mile from the finish line. And there was this guy there that was short, blonde hair, tan, just built wearing a speedo and a gold speedo and he was like just this handsome guy if you've ever seen the rocky horror picture show he looked like rocky from the rocky mm-hmm. horror picture show and he was just like really good looking he was like screaming he's like you did it you want some champagne i'm like yeah and he handed me a gatorade bottle with champagne and i started drinking champagne and i thought now that probably wasn't the best thing to do but i was like i was in the sober <laughs> trip i'm like i'm drinking champagne out of a Gatorade bottle from a stranger in a gold speedo. What am I doing? <laughs> I yeah. care. I was like, oh, this is great. Only, only at the Boston Marathon, I guess. Something something like that. And, and yeah, I mean, oh, bef- before you can even think twice about it, you're, you're doing it. And then it's just like, all right, well, I guess I guess that just happened. I'm going to keep on That's going. Right. And, it was, and it it. was really fun. Oh, my gosh. It was really funny. But uh, yeah, but I'm really, yeah, it's been really fun. I've, uh, yeah, I, I really I love New York. New York is probably my favorite marathon, though. I have to say, I love Boston. Boston's awesome, but you know, living in New York for 21 mm-hmm. years, I uh, there's just something about the New York City Marathon that just I love the New York City Marathon. I'm really lucky because I qualified to run New York this year, and New York, I got to go to New York this year because uh, the New York city marathon is harder to qualify for than the Boston marathon. And it's just so hard to get into the lottery that I figured, okay, I had a qualifying time. I I have to run New York. And I, like I said, I qualified for Boston with nine and a half minutes under, I only qualified for New York with only 27 seconds. (laughs) So is, is I figure, uh, yeah, I'm never going to qualify again. I better go than do I better go this year. So yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to shift gears a, a little bit before we, we kind of wrap up here, Angie. And, and uh, I think we mentioned at some point, I think you might have mentioned at the very beginning that, that when we met, you were you were pacing and that you do a lot of pacing for, for different races. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one thing that that um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about pacing because it's something I've done. I've done once and I thought it was really enjoyable and would love to, to do it again. But uh, I think if memory serves, when you were pacing at Pocatello, you're pacing about the five hour group or something like that. Yep. Um, yep. And and you said you you know like pacing around two thirty four for the half marathon, which you know again I mean if, if we can do the math and it doesn't take a whole lot of, of effort here, that's quite a bit quote unquote slower than like a Boston qualifying time than if you were actually racing um you know uh-huh. racing for for a time time uh-huh. goal. Um, uh-huh. I guess the the first question uh, about the time difference is. I'm a big believer in heart rate training. I, you know, people that listen to the show have, have probably gotten sick of me talking about it, but I'm, I'm going to keep talking about it because I, I, I do think it's, it's, you know, whether it's strict heart rate, 80, 20, whatever, running, running easy, I think is super valuable. Do you find mm-hmm. that, that logging miles as a pacer and, and doing them at a, at a, what's probably a pretty comfortable pace? Um, how do you find that that helps you to, when you want to go faster, to actually be able to, to run faster? Do, do you notice a correlation or is it, is it two separate things in your mind? Honestly, I never even thought about it. Okay. I never even thought about it. I just really, you know, I love to run um, with in with in a slower pace group. I love to pace in the slower pace groups. In fact, the last race I did, I actually was the sweeper mm. <laughs> of the race, and I think it's because it's when you're paced. You have to get yourself out of like, like you're in the race because you're not in the race. Mm-hmm. You are there helping other people in the race. And it's a more, you're in there sort of doing a service to the race and doing a service, doing a service to the runners who are actually 
needing your help mm-hmm. to help you or, or achieve their goals. Um, and, you know, if I'm running a, a slower pace, first of all, I know that if I'm running a pace that's like a lot slower, that even if I have like the worst day in my life, that I will still be able to get those people into their goal pace. Right. Um, it's still not super easy to do that, though, only because you you're out there longer than you're used to being out there. Um, but it was for me, I was doing ultra training. I think when I saw you mm-hmm. at Pocatello, um, I was uh, doing a hundred mile race just a couple weeks later. Right. And so the longer, like the slower miles for me, I like to do also uh, because it's really helpful for the ultra training because mm-hmm. the ultra training, you're really looking for the time on your feet. Right. So the slower you're running, the more time you're having actually being on your feet. So as far as like the heart rate training and how it helps me in my speed, um, I never even, I've never even thought about it. I just am thinking, well, I'm going to get some good time on my feet if I go slower. And I'm going to be able to like, I don't know, the people in the, towards the back of the pack, those are the people that I just, I absolutely just love to be with because a lot of them are first time runners. Mm. And they really need that encouragement um, and help. And those are the people that I love to come up on, and especially Pocatello, because you've run Pocatello. Pocatello is the marathon. You have a great downhill, and that second half is not an easy half. If it's hot, it's super exposed. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of rolling hills there, and it's not the easiest second half. And people, I will come up on people, and they're just walking, and they're just feeling like this is it. And if you can come up on them and say, come on, just run, just run a little bit with me. We'll just just run a little bit with me. And they just need somebody to help them give them a little kick in the pants. And, um, you don't find that as much in a faster group Mm -hmm. as you do sort of in the, in the back of the pack. And, and like I said, I'll, I'll sweep a course. If, if somebody's like, Oh, we don't, we, you know, we, we have a sweeper opening. I'm the first one that'll be like, I'll do it. And that sometimes entails walking the entire course, but those are the people that you're going to get people that um, have never run before and they're just, they, and there's nobody out there, right? Mm-hmm. They're usually by themselves at the end and they just feel like, no, you know, the, we're not, they almost feel like we're not even a part of the race anymore. And then you come up on them and you're like, come with us. And by the end, I have like a group of 10 people, like, especially when you're sweeping, you have a group of like 10 people coming across and they've, they've accomplished their goal of finishing mm-hmm. that race whether it was running the whole thing or walking the whole thing. And, um, so, yeah. I, so, yeah, to answer your question, I really haven't put in a correlated the two um, together. It's usually, I guess it's more of a just get out there and have fun or get out there and get time on my feet or, you know, help well, people. And that's- yeah, and, and I think, I mean, maybe if, if even if you're not drawing a, a- – set connection it's still i mean it's still training it's you know it's it's still it's still time on your feet like you said whether you're training for an ultra you're you're gearing up for the next you know boston qualifying attempt you know three months from now or whatever it's it's still good good volume easy training um how how uh meticulous are you as far as when, when you are pacing i mean obviously the goal is to run i think most of the time at least the goal is usually to run even splits the whole way through um is that something that was was easy for you or did it take some, some practice? Do you, do you still have to kind of watch the, the, you know, keep an eye on your watch like a hawk to make sure that, that things are going at the right pace for whatever group you're in charge of? Uh, yeah, you have to watch your watch, but I am not a big, uh, fan of even splits. Mm. I am a fan of running to the course. Okay. Right. Because if you are going to run, um, a course that's like Pocatello where half the race is downhill. Um, and for you're those, not gonna go for, super, you're going to go gunning it down the right. hill, but you're going to want, you're automatically going to go a little bit faster down the hills. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and for just, um, just for those that aren't aware of, of the Pocatello layout, I mean, it's basically the first 13.1 miles is pretty much all downhill. And then I think, I think that the last, uh, 13.1, you know, like you said, there's a couple of rolling hills and whatnot, but I think, I think the net downhill on the, the second half is like 200 feet versus like a thousand feet in the first half. So it is, like you said, if you're running to the course, like that's, that's something that you definitely need to be aware of. So I'm sorry to cut back, but just, just so people yeah, are aware yeah. of the, those numbers a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And here in Utah, we have so many races that are like, start with like this, a lot of downhill 
and then it kind of flattens out on the last six miles. Well, it's it's more of an even effort. Mm. That's what I instead of an even pace, an mm. even effort. So you feel like you're sort of doing the same effort throughout. So if you're running downhill, your effort is going to be a little bit, you're going to feel good, but you might be going, I'm not saying a minute, a mile faster, I'm saying a few seconds faster per mile going downhill. But then when you hit that flat or uphill, you have a little bit of time where you can go a few seconds slower Mm -hmm. where it's flattened out or you're climbing a hill. So it's more of an even effort than an even split. Right. 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 So that's how usually how I pace and, and the pace teams that I usually pace with also pace that way. So they'll usually make up pace bands. Um, there's a pace group that I pace with here called run your race pacers and, um, uh, I pace a lot with them and they, um, they'll give us pace bands at the beginning of the race that are actually designed to that course. To that course. Uh, yeah. And so they are all basically even effort. Mm -hmm. which to me I find a lot easier to do. And um, I mean, but you'd really, at that point you really have to watch your watch because your, your pace is going to change. Right. Depending on what part of the course you're on. Right. But I think people like it a lot better because it keeps people from gunning super fast Mm -hmm. down the hill or, or going too slow on the hill and having to keep that same pace when they're climbing up a mountain at mile, you know, 20, you know, like, you know, that's kind of like, well, why didn't we, why aren't we doing this? It feels harder now. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, will, but you know, right. I don't right. know. I'm a big, even, I'm a big, even effort pacer rather than even split pacer. Gotcha. Depending on the court. I think, I think that makes sense. And, and I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that that's just, that's, that's probably the right way to do it. Even though it's maybe a little bit more work to figure out, you know, to figure out some of those paces. But if the, if the group you're with is kind of figuring out what the paces need to be, then that, that solves that problem and make sure you're on, on track for people that are, I've had this question a few times, but for people that are, are listening, um, obviously you've done a lot of pacing. What, what's the best way to get involved with, with pace it just reach out to the different pace groups or, or, I mean, for yeah. me, it was just, you know, somebody, I knew somebody with the, with the race and they asked if I wanted to pace it. So it was, it worked out, but you know, is that the best way? Yeah. My suggestion for people is because a lot of people, go into pacing for some people go into pacing for the wrong reason. And the, the reason they say like, Oh, well I get to race for free. I get to be in the race for free if I pace. And that's true. Um, but you have to go into the pacing, realizing that you're, it's, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it to help people. You're doing it for the race. You're basically working for the race to help people. So if you want to get into pacing, the first thing that I would suggest is that you run with a pacer. Mm. Go and just go into a race and say, hey, I get dressed in your pacing. I'd like to just run with you. Even, you know, get into somebody that's slower than you, right. you know, that you're not going to be like, you know, um, and run with them and see what they do. See how they interact with the people around them. Um, pace, pacers are different. Mm-hmm. There are good pacers. There are terrible pacers. I would also suggest that if you are going to run with a pacer, the same thing, ask that question, ask that pacer questions. Um, how many races have you paced? You know, ask them a little bit about what their experience, what, how they're going to pace. Are they doing even splits? Are they doing even effort? Ask that because I've seen so many people um, get very disappointed with the pacer, with a horrible pacer, but they, the pacer had really never even paced before. So, um, so if you want to get into pacing, shadow a pacer for a while and sort of, and shadow a good pacer, do it a few times, find out like, you know, see what they're doing, you know, if they're really good, see how they're encouraging the people that they're pacing with. Are they just silent? Are they not talking? Are they like, you know, those are, those are things that you don't want in a pacer. You know, you want the pacer to sort of kind of keep you entertained and, you know, you know, have an extra gel or two if somebody doesn't gel, you know, that kind of thing. Like you're there to help them. Um, so you got, I, you get a lot of ideas when you run with a good pacer to sort of figure out how, then the, whatever pace team that pacers with or whatever pace team is in your area, send them an email and say, Hey, I'm interested in pacing or I'm interested in shadowing one of your pacers. So you can kind of get to learn how to pace. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I think that makes the best pacer if you, 
have shadowed another good pacer and you learn really how to do it. Um, and practice pacing, right. you know, and yourself practice keeping your pace, you know, um, watching your watch, keeping on, on, on the pace. Um, so that's the best thing is just contacting the pace groups in your area. And, but I think you have a, I think you, there's so many people that want to be on the pacing that the rosters get filled up. But honestly, your best shot at ever getting on a roster is being a good pacer. And the best way to do that is to probably shadow mm-hmm. another pacer that's in that group. And then that pacer can say, hey, yeah, this person, they shadowed me. They were like right on it. They were like really helping out. And then you can kind of get on those, get a shot on those pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, and then yeah, hit the mark. How I when, you, when you get the chance, you got to hit the mark. Yeah, and hit the mark. Yeah, you have to hit the mark because that's the best way to get yourself off of a pacing quick is mm-hmm. being uh, is being not on. And not everybody, you know, pacers are human too. And not everybody's going to hit it every time. Uh, course markings, I mean, I've paced races where the course markings have been off. Mm-hmm. And when you pace, you don't pace to your, you pace, you pace your pace to, to your watch, mm-hmm. but you pace to the mile marker, right? right? So you're pacing to what the race is saying the race is, is at. So your pace mile is to the mile marker. Now, if the mile markers aren't set correctly, that can throw you off. And that has happened a few times. But you have to be able to adapt to that and making sure that you're coming in at the finish line On at time. the exact time, you, know, right. you know, within 30 seconds of your finish time. So um, under, finish under of your finish time. But it happens. You know, paces right. are human, and it just happens where sometimes you've missed the mark and sometimes you don't. But as long as you're not consistently, like, you know, oh, oh, I was a minute, I was like five minutes under. I've had seen that happen before. Five minutes under, or, you know, a minute and a half over, or you know what I mean? Right. You can't do that consistently because that means you're probably, you're not a great pacer if you're not, right. if you're doing it. Right, right. And the races, look at that. The races come back because they bring you in to pace. And the first thing is, we know, negative publicity is travels faster than good publicity. Mm-hmm. So if the pacers, they say the pacers at the so-and-so race, really suck don't do it that looks bad on the race and the race doesn't want that so they right. want pacers that are good pacers right right yeah it's it's uh you know like you said i think you get into it thinking that oh this is this covers my race fee but it's you're, you're there to do a job like it's not there yeah. to do to do uh this is my chance to run this race like no this is my this is my chance to run the course but yeah you're there to work and to I serve watched- others for sure I was at a race and I watched a pacer. Luckily there were two pacers in every, in the time group. And this was only for a half. And a friend of mine was pacing with this other guy and the other guy put headphones in and the second the race started, the guy took off. Wow. Like he basically just used the race to get into the race. And that is the wrong thing to do. And you'll never get to pace again. If you I do was going to say, so, yeah, that's, that's a good way to, to burn that bridge uh, before you even cross oh, it, yeah. it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. hundred percent. Like yeah. you're done. It's not fair to people that are no. looking to reach their goals. You know, you want, you want to help people reach their goals. And that feels so good when you, when you find you get some first timer coming that didn't think they could do it. And they, you see them to the finish line and they just start bawling. Then I start mm-hmm. bawling too. I swear right. I still bawl when I see <laughs> first timers. You, you help them, especially when they've hit a wall where they feel like they can't finish mm-hmm. and you pull them along, get them in. And, and they just, uh, you know, in fact, at Pocatello, I thought I had a guy, um, I think it was that same year. And he, I was running and I caught him in the last three miles and I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go. And, he finished. He wanted to run under five hours. And I guess he, where he started in, in the timing, I ended up finishing a little bit before him. But where he had started, he came in and he was a minute under oh. his finishing time. And he was so excited. And this past year when I went, um, I saw him. And uh, I saw him at the, at the finish line again. And he was like, you were my pacer from last year. I'll never <laughs> forget that was the greatest. And that's a really good feeling when they actually were like, you, you helped me mm-hmm. get my goal. That's a really great feeling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're, as we're wrapping up today, Angie, I feel like we could, we barely scratched the surface. Haven't talked about ultras, haven't talked about a whole lot of things, but uh, at some point we got to wrap this thing up. Maybe, maybe we'll saddle up and do this again at some point and dive a little deeper on some other topics, but got to ask the philosophical question to, to wrap up today. You can take it long, take it short, whatever you want to do, but this is where we'll wrap up for today. At this point, 10 years later, a hundred and almost 150 marathons or ultras later, all the, all the things we talked about, 
Um, why do you still do it? Why do you still get up there, get up and get out and, and get your, get your shoes on and get your miles in? Why, why is running still uh, an important part of your life? Um, hmm. I guess it's just, it's just kind of become a habit. I mean, I have to admit, like I actually took a little bit of a break over the winter. Um, after I did the hundred miler, man, I got lost. Oh, I ended up doing 106 miles, and I, I kind of <laughs> lost my will to live there for a bit at the end of that race. And um, and I kind of just felt like I that's it. I said I just need to take a break. So I took a break over the winter and um, sort of regrouped my mind. Started doing other things, and um, and uh, but I still like running. I still like getting out there. I live in Utah. So I have the trails like right behind my house and I'll, I just love to get outside. I just like to be outside when it's nice out there and uh, there's nothing like going out on those trails and get a nice trail run in. And I have all these like bike trails behind my house and it's just nice just to get out and lace up and, you know, it doesn't have to be for racing anymore just to, you know, get some exercise and be out in the fresh air. I mean, that's kind of why I do it now. I'm mm-hmm. kind of not really... I've kind of done like my, like I'm qualifying for Boston. I'm doing this thing. I'm kind of on the other hump of that now. I'm kind of now like just wanting to enjoy running just for running and not necessarily have, I still want to finish my 50 States. Um, but I definitely like, usually I have probably seven or eight marathons by this time. And I've only done like, I think one Mm. marathon this year so far, you know, that's for me. It's like, Oh my gosh. But I'm fine with that, you know. I'm like I've done what I want to do and and um, finished my 50 states and just keep doing, just running, just for fun at this point. Um, and I think it has to be fun when it stops yeah. being fun. Just like your job, when it stops, mm-hmm. when it starts becoming work, then um, or work that's just not enjoyable anymore because you feel like you have to do it. Right. Then um, um, it just being fun and. Um, so I took a little break over the winter and sort of get my running head back into it. And now that it's getting nicer out, hopefully it's going to start getting nicer in Utah soon. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for a run today at lunch with some buddies at work and, uh, and just, uh, yeah, just running for fun. That's what kind of gets me motivated just to get out and to be outside in the fresh air in the mountains and the, I live in a beautiful place. So mm. that's kind of what motivates me these days, just being outside. I think I think there's no better motivation, no better reason than just do it because you enjoy it and because it's fun. So, uh, yeah. guys, once again, if you want to check out more about what Angie's got going on, follow her while she's still having fun, still still picking up a race here and there, but but just enjoying the process. Angie Pace runs fifty blogspot.com is the website on Facebook at Angie and on Instagram at keepingpace26.2. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 740 is the link that'll take you back to the show notes today. We'll have everything linked up there in case you're out and about, can't write something down, or you forget, you want to circle back to it. Dizruns.com slash 740. So, Angie, thank you for uh, for taking the time. Thanks for, obviously, everything you, you you do and bring to the running community, especially as a pacer. It's it's a can be a thankless job, can be a very thankful job, but uh, certainly um, anybody who's ever run with a pacer appreciates the work that, that you do to, to keep them on track. So uh, thanks for the time this morning and uh, enjoy that run this afternoon, but uh, certainly all the best going forward and, and looking forward to staying in touch. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Angie and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something we talked about in today's conversation that really kind of resonates with you. And I, I think the big thing that, uh, that that I really took away from this episode, although there, there were definitely a, a few different things that, that made me uh, stop and think a little bit, some that I kind of addressed in the moment and some that kind of the moment passed by as we were chatting. Um, but but the big one for me comes down to um, when Angie was, was working on that goal of qualifying for Boston for the first time and you know running, running the Mississippi Blues Marathon, um, and just kind of going out and and not putting a whole lot of pressure on herself and just seeing kind of you know how long she could go, how long she could hold the the, the appropriate pace, but not going into it with this huge expectation, with this huge um, you know pre-existing goal of like this is the race, this is the race that I'm going to do it. But she went into it going, hey, I don't I don't know if I'm going to do it. I I, I kind of don't think I'm going to, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to run at 
Boston qualifying pace for as long as I can. And, you know, if I can't keep holding it, then I'll back off and just cruise along through and, and hopefully, you know, improve my, my time, get a PR, whatever the case might be. And lo and behold, that's how she ends up with the BQ, the first BQ. And the, the reason that it stands out to me is I think that, that sometimes I've, I've been guilty of this. Maybe you have as well of almost kind of psyching yourself out by putting so much pressure on this race. And this is the race that I'm going to, you know, set my new PR. This is the, this is the race I'm going to break two and a half hours for the half marathon, whatever, whatever the case might be. You put all that pressure on yourself and, and you can kind of psych yourself out. You can, you can kind of even burn energy non-productively before the race even starts by worrying about it and by checking your watch every two seconds during the race and things like that, making sure you're on pace. But sometimes if you can just detach a little bit, say, hey, I'm going to see what happens, almost run for fun, run by feel, run at just a pace that feels like something you can do and not get caught up in the exact splits and plus or minus one second for the last you know mile split or whatever. If you do that, that can lead to some really great results. And that's something that I've, I've really been trying to do for the last year, year and a half or so is on race day. Yeah. I might have a target. Yeah. I might have a goal, something that I want to achieve, but I don't have my watch showing pace and things like that. I just go out and run and try to listen to my body, try to tune into how I'm feeling, how my body's responding, what pace feels like it's manageable for the day and just settle in and cruise. And that served me really well, and that served some of my my athletes well as as well. Some of the folks in the the Diz runners that have have uh, taken me up on the challenge to run without having the the data on their watch, and just go out and listen to the body and cruise. Sometimes you're you're able to do a whole lot more than than you think you might be able to, simply because you don't have a watch telling you that what you're doing is too much, that you're going too fast, things like that. And it kind of sounds like that's what happened to Angie. She just you know wasn't stressed about it, wasn't worried about it, just kind of went out and ran. Felt good. Boston qualified. Not that it's that easy, of course. Lots of work goes into it before that point. But I think that there's there's the possibility of a good idea being don't put all your eggs in the basket for this one race. Just go out and, and run the race fun. Run the race. Listen to your body. Run it hard. Push yourself. But don't psych yourself out with this is the race that I'm going to BQ. This is the, the perfect downhill course. This is the perfect weather conditions. Hopefully those things will fall into your place, into place for you. But I think if you try to put too much on it beforehand, that that can, in a lot of cases, do more harm than good. So that's my thought. That's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? I'm at DizRuns on Twitter. I'm at DizRuns on Instagram. Feel free to, to tag me in a post or leave me a message in either place, both places, whatever works best for you. Uh, and, and always love to hear what you think about each episode of the show. You can also shoot me an email, disruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at disruns.com slash 740. Leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, takeaways there as well. And there'll be also links and photos and all of the things in the show notes for today's episode. You can get to, once again, disruns.com slash 740. And uh, don't forget, if you're interested in uh, the old Disruns YouTube channel making a comeback, record a question. Send it to me, disruns at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully we'll have the first the first couple episodes out uh, soon, sometime maybe in July. Uh, maybe we'll go back to school for August, start to, to do the Q&A things. But uh, um, who knows? Coming soon, but just got to get some questions first. So let me know what questions you have, what kind of ask the coach, ask this type of situations that would be good for YouTube, good conversation, and we will go from there. So with that, uh, thank you guys for listening. I know this one went a little bit long, but it was, it was I thought it was a good conversation. So I hope you don't mind uh, hanging out for an extra few minutes. Maybe get a little, uh, an extra mile in on your run today if you're listening while you're out on the go. But uh, wherever it is, wherever, whatever it was you're doing today, thanks for taking us with you. And uh, until next time, please be well. Take care. Take good care. Thanks again for all you do to support the show. Support me. Really appreciate it. Take care, guys. <laughs>